You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. And if you'd like, you can go to our special webpage at letstalktorah.net. No apostrophes. letstalktorah.net. You can find the old shows. You can find the new shows. You can search for anything you want. Um, you can leave questions, comments, and, of course, that all-important donate button. It would be really greatly appreciated. Now is the time of year where, where people are more open because it's the high holidays and the people feel it important. It is important. It's always important to give charity. But we would like your help so we can continue to teach Torah to anyone who wants to listen in our own special way. So we are talking, if you're listening to the last show, um, we're talking Rosh Hashanah, the new year, talking about Happy New Year, what's the focus of the, of the day, and I see in my notes over here, I have like two and a half pages for today's show. Well, it was going to be a double show. And uh, I got through like a third of the first page. So either I'm going to have to talk very, very fast, or I'm just not going to finish everything. But we left off in the last show, and it's a pretty important concept to help us move along, is Rosh Hashanah is the day God judges the world. Every individual is being judged. Everyone. And then we have 10 days, including the first two days of Rosh Hashanah, that leads us up to Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, we have the opportunity and the ability to repent. And we ask God to forgive us. It's backwards. First, let me repent. Don't judge me. And if, if there's a concept that doesn't work, obviously, in a regular courtroom. Right? In a regular courtroom, you can't tell the judge you're sorry, and he says, okay, I forgive you. But God does forgive. So the, the concept of forgiveness exists. So why would I want to be judged first? And then after God judges me and my scales are not tipped the way I want, okay, now I'll repent. Repent first. <coughs> repent first. Sorry about that. Couldn't reach my cough button. Repent first, and then I'm ready to be judged so this is a very famous question. There's multiple answers to this question. But what we're focusing on is that I can't ask for forgiveness till I recognize God is king. And he's the one I have to ask forgiveness from. Right? And you watch where that's going, right? That was, we're, we're discussing for the last show, if you didn't hear it, go catch up and then come back to this one. But we're discussing that in the Musaf, in the additional prayer on Rosh Hashanah, we have 10 verses that talk about God as king. We call it Malchios. We have 10 verses that talk about God remembers. That's called Zechronos. And we have 10 verses that talk about the Shofar. Those are called Shofros. 
So in this concept, in this idea, in this important fact that the purpose of Rosh Hashanah is recognizing that God is king, so that has to come first. Because how am I supposed to say I'm sorry if I don't even recognize who you are? Sorry for what? Who are you? So first, I need to be clear that God is king. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. And every year, a new level. It's not like I had Rosh Hashanah once and I'm good for the rest of my life. I know it's every year I have to re-proclaim God is king. And hopefully, I mean, that should be the goal. Hopefully, every year, my recognition that God is king, I've moved up. My son, we talked about this, I don't know, a couple months ago. It's really a famous question. I heard it because my son was asking the rabbi. He said, if the Jewish people saw God by Mount Sinai, so they don't believe in God, they know there's God. So the basic answer is, they knew God on what they saw. They need to know that God is to infinity. So they need to now believe all the stuff they don't know. Right, which is what we're always doing. So it comes out that every year it's a new Rosh Hashanah and the idea should be that every year we've increased our recognition of what it means God is king. And if we haven't, then, my friends, we have a problem. So let's understand. So first I need Rosh Hashanah, recognize God is king. And after I recognize God is king, so then I'm ready to move on and say, my king, please forgive me. Right? That's what Yom Kippur is all about. So in the last show, we were spending time talking about the verses that God is king. I want to move on now to part two in the, in the additional prayers called Musaf, and those are called the Zechronos that God remembers. So again, the beginning of the prayer talks about how God remembered Noah in the ark, and the teva, and therefore he dried out the land, and the boat landed, and he told Noah he could come out and repopulate the world. That's the beginning of the prayer of God remembers. So this is the day, the way the Talmud explains it, because we're humans. It says that there's three books open. Right? God doesn't need books. He doesn't have to write it down. But there's three books open to give us physical people a, a something tangible that we can understand what's going on. So therefore, it's described as books being opened, and there's the famous prayer called Nisana Tokef. I was actually doing some research on this Nisana Tokef. It's an ancient prayer. What's fascinating is usually people try to make things older and older and older. But in the, the, the different commentaries that talk about the Nisana Tokef actually make it later. They actually date it at the 13th century. As you would have imagined, oh, 9th century, 10th century. No, they date it later. Um, and the again, there's different versions to the story, but the basic story that's been accepted and passed on is about uh, Rabbi Amnon. Now, this I did not know till I did my research. It seems the story takes place in Israel. Again, I've heard different versions of that one, but what I saw today sounds like it took place in Israel, and there was a famous Rabbi Amnon, and he somehow was connected to a certain bishop. And they always conversed, because if the bishop wants to talk to you, you don't have much of a choice. And the bishop was always trying to convince him to convert, to become a Christian. So Rabbi Amnon says, no, 
So one day, just to get the bishop to leave him alone, he says, you know, give me three days, I'll think about it. Now, he was just saying it to push the gay off. But the truth of the matter is, he went home and he, he was beside himself. He got sick. He couldn't handle it. How could he have allowed the bishop to think that even for a second he would convert to Christianity? So he was beside himself. The bishop calls him. He doesn't come. Finally sends soldiers to call him. Others say, this will be Amno made the conversations with friends of the bishop. But in any case, the bishop calls him in and he says, I don't see it. You're supposed to come in three days. He says, your, your majesty, whatever he called the bishop. He said, my tongue spoke, you know, something that was untrue. I never had any intention. I was just trying to push you off. You should cut out my tongue. So the bishop said, no, your tongue's so good. But I told you to come back in three days. We've got to cut off your arms and legs. The vision I was looking at today is they really tortured him. Anyways, they sent him back, dying. And he asked to be brought to the synagogue. And he asked to open the ark, and it seems it was during the Musa prayer. And he, he, he composed this most powerful prayer at the beginning of Musaf called Unisana Tokev. Unisana Tokev is a, is a visual of what happens when we get judged. That every person, we're, we're like a, a, a line of soldiers or sheep, and every person's judged individually, and it's every person's handwriting in the book, and every person is signing and agreeing that this is how my year was, and this is who I am, and this is what I've accomplished, and this is what I haven't accomplished. And even the angels tremble. It's a very powerful, it is from the most powerful prayers and pieces of poetry. Now, he composed it there. He was brought home and he died. So he comes back to a student of Clonimus in a dream, and he tells him, he tells him the poetry. He has him uh, memorize it. And then he asks that it should be spread out. So it's fascinating. We have this piece of poetry that a rabbi wrote, this of Amnon, and it's so powerful that he gets placed into the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur prayer in, like right at the beginning. It's like right there. And that a piece of poetry should become so worldwide accepted is amazing. Right? Now it's, I, I, again, I can't say every, every version of every uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur prayer book has an Asana Tokyo, but it's from the most powerful prayers. Many people remember it because the, the, um, the, the, the tune, the cantorial piece um, is pretty similar um, almost wherever you go. In any case, that's the point of remembering. Like the whole, and as when we say God remembers, he's doing something about it. He's, he's, he's forcing every person even though you don't remember doing it, right? But every person, his own handwriting is is confirming that this is what kind of year I had. This guy's not asking us what we did and what do we think about it, what's our excuses. It's just all there. It's black and white. There's nothing to argue about. There's nothing to discuss. That's the remembrance that God is dealing with 
with each and every individual on Rosh Hashanah. God also remembers how the Jewish people will give up their lives to be Jewish. We talked a great story, which of course is only half finished, but hopefully one day we'll know the ending of that story. That was in the last uh, show about that basketball player. But we have, of course, the, right, the binding of Isaac, and we ask God to remember the story of the binding of Isaac because we are Abraham and Isaac's descendants, and therefore we deserve to benefit from that, I say, say story, but that um, action, that final test of Abraham. And again, the reason it was a test, I was telling my class. Abraham was busy telling the world, God doesn't want human sacrifices. So the reason there's a test is because God said, bring Isaac as a sacrifice. Now what does Abraham do? He believes in God. You want to listen to God? What, what do you want? God says, the God does what God says. The problem is, if he does what God says, then he's done. Abraham's whole life was convincing people that God doesn't want sacrifices. He's convincing people there's a God. As soon as the world finds out that Abraham sacrificed his son, you're a hypocrite. Everything you said is in the garbage. We want nothing to do with you. His life, that's it. Life is over. So the power of the test is that everything you stood for your whole life, you believe in God, throw everything you believed in in the garbage. Okay, so Abraham passes the test because he's ready to sacrifice his son. God comes to the last man and says, don't sacrifice. Um, God also remembers the Jewish people accepted the Torah, right? And as we said, remembering means God's going to do something about it. Um, and I myself, you know, was like thinking about it. Like when we talk about remembering, um, I, I try to do this. I do it a lot myself. Um, sometimes I like to do it with my wife or the kids, but I really just do it myself. And I look back and I say, what kind of year did I have? Good year, not such a good year. Um, and people are very good at remembering, you know, when things don't go well. But do people get to look at the whole picture? Right? Things happen. There are good things that happen to us. There's not such good things that happen to us. But let's not make one thing that happened the total focus overall. Again, and, and to each his own. Was there health? Were there children? Maybe there were grandchildren. Maybe there were success stories. Like even with my own children, they could do, you know, I, I have a, I make a Snapfish book that probably a lot of you do, or whatever company you use to like make a memory book because, you know, we all have 10,000 million pictures, which you're never going to look at, right? So you take a few choice ones, and that's the memory. So I don't really go for the poses so much. I'm looking for action where things are happening. Not even big, humongous things. But some of the small things are so beautiful to look at. So can you look back at the year and say, God, you gave me a great year. I, I am so appreciative. And I know we have a new year coming. And God, I hope you give me another good year. Does it mean that we didn't have things that were troubling? We, we may have. Probably we did. But 
I got to look at the overall picture. If there's good things, I have to thank God. If things were not so good, I got to say, okay, God, I got to fix, you know, things on my side. Um, You take care of me on your side and uh, we'll call it even. Right? So this remembering, right? God's remembering everything that he did and what we deserve and what we don't deserve. And we also have to look at our back at our year. What, what kind of year was it? Yes, unfortunately, there's always family members that might not be here. There might be friends that are no longer here. I'm not saying there weren't some things along the way that we didn't cry over. There's things we cry over. There's things we laugh over. There's things we're happy about. There are things we're not so happy about. And, and do we have the ability to look at the picture? It's a very interesting question. But memories are important. So the story is told with a king. The king, for whatever reason, gets lost in a forest. He's lost, traveling, traveling, looking, and he can't find the road. Traveling, traveling. Okay. You can't ask questions on a story like what happened to his retinue. I have no idea. Anyways, he finally finds some houses, some village in the middle of this forest, and no one recognizes him. And he asks the people, he says, uh, you know, how do I get to the road? And they look at road, what road? <laughs> we don't know how to get to any road. One guy standing there recognizes this is the king. Doesn't say anything. He walks over and he says, you know, I know where the road is. I'll gladly take you. So the man escorts the king, however many miles they have to walk, and voila, they make it to the road. So the king, of course, wants to show his appreciation. He says, you know, why don't you come with me? Um, takes him to his palace. I'm the king. I'm going to make you one of my ministers um, in appreciation for you taking care of me. Okay? So the guy's a minister for a bunch of years. Uh, but like all good ministers, he manages to sin, do something wrong against the king. And the king says, okay, you need to be judged. So the man says, okay. Um, I would just ask permission of the king that instead of wearing my minister robes, I would like to wear my uh, a different set of clothes. And he goes to put on the old forest clothes because he's hoping the king will see that he's the guy that saved the king, and that should be a saving grace. And sure enough, it works. Right? And, and, and maybe... That's what we're also trying to do, right? Whether we say, remember the binding of Isaac, whether we're, we're re- by recognizing God, we're showing God to remember, there, you know, we did some good things. We're not great. We're not perfect. But, but are there things that we've done that we deserve to be written and sealed in the book of life? So that's part two of the additional prayer. We, we talk about kings, we talk about remembering, and then the third one is shofar. It says by blowing the shofar, th- this sound of the shofar is powerful. It's going to bring up our good deeds and our good memories up to God. And the truth is, we already said that the shofar is a reminder of the binding of Isaac, but really there's multiple, multiple um, messages 
that are coming from the shofar, which is, again, a fascinating year because as important as the shofar is, the rabbi said on the Sabbath, you can't blow shofar. And therefore we listen. And listening to the rabbis not to blow shofar when the shofar is what we need to protect us and to save us, that in itself, that we can listen to the rabbis for that, that in itself um, is reason for forgiveness. So first of all, the shofar is like a proclamation, right? King sends his messenger into a city, and the trumpets are blaring, and the people come out, and they unroll the scroll or unfurl the scroll, whatever they do, they unfurl the flag. They roll out the scroll, and the messenger gives out the proclamation. Okay, the proclamation here is the trumpets are blowing because today is the day of judgment. Hashanah is the day of judgment. That is the proclamation. A second reason to blow the shofar is the anniversary of the world. And we need to recognize God created the world. And this is the birthday of the world. So re-accept God as king. Again, when a king is coronated, the trumpets are blaring. Right? In our case, it's the shofar. The third thing, of course, we've mentioned multiple times already today, that's the binding of Isaac, the Akedah, because Avram... Abraham was willing to give up everything because God said so. And the, 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 the horn of the ram, right, the ram's horn, is that memory, is that reminder that Abraham was willing to give up everything. A fourth idea is when the Torah was given, there was, there was noise. We already talked about those, and there was a chauffeur blasting the whole time. So we are going to God. It's it's like a double reminder, right? As we're going to God, remember we accepted your Torah, and we also have to remember we accepted the Torah, right? As we're we're standing here proclaiming God as King, and we also have to remember part of the treaty that was made, right? God's our King, we're His people, but included in that is accepting the Torah that we accepted with the blowing of the shofar. These are all things that can and should be going through our minds when we hear the shofar. For some of us, look, I, I'm, I'm the guy who blows the shofar. I, I can tell you what goes through my mind. Please let me get this sound out correctly. Please don't let me make any mistakes. And then if I, buy, you know, somehow I get some other thought in my brain, that's amazing. But for me, I am so super focused just to get the right sound out. It's hard to remember all these other things. But what are people thinking when they hear the chauffeur? I don't know. There's a lot of things they could be thinking. Furthermore, this is fascinating. Um, the chauffeur was always blown on the Jubilee year, the Yovel year, as a sign and a signal that slaves go free. A Jewish person who sold himself as a slave goes free by Yovel when that shofar is, is blown. So the concept being that we can break free of our undesirable habits, just like the slave goes free. We sometimes feel we are a slave to our evil inclination. We have the ability to break free. It's another lesson of what that shofar is representing. There's a lot of stuff. Um, the shofar represents the future redemption, right? We focus on praying for the Messiah. We don't give up hope. 
It reminds us of the destruction of the temple. Um, it also reminds us when God created man, so God blew into his nostrils, right? So when we're blowing shofar, we are, we are from within. If you do the shofar right, right, you want that deep, right, breath blowing into the shofar, right? We are, I, I, whoever's blowing shofar, is almost like giving of yourself to get that sound out of the shofar. That's what God did. And when God created man, and where any child is born, right, God is is putting into that child a spark of holiness, a spark of godliness. It also represents war. We're constantly battling with our evil inclination. And now the music's playing. And I had all these stories I wanted, but okay. I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you. Of course, I wouldn't sponsor the listeners. I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. I have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NR Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build, every room inside.